Hi, my friends. I do this work with all my heart for you. So please contribute generously to Future Primitive. is with us now and he is the president CEO of Manchester Bidwell Corporation and its subsidiaries. He speaks about the art of leadership and he says a successful life is not something you simply pursue it is something that you create moment by moment. Talk to us about success. What do you mean by success, Bill? I mean that if you're lucky enough to be given the gift of life, the measure that I use to determine success is what you do with that gift. Not just for yourself, but in, in relationship to the world, to people around you, to your community. That if the measure of what you do to elevate this concept of life to uh, reach out to others so that they have a similar opportunity to experience life in its fullest. I think the measure of success is determined by how deep and how extensive that is. So what about leadership? Well, the only way to get there from a success point is to lead. You can't follow because there are not enough yet role models in the world to follow. We need tens of thousands of role models, not six or ten or fifteen. So the only way to really begin to broadcast that conversation, to multiply the sense of hope and opportunity, is that you create a path that's articulate enough and clear enough and bright enough and hopeful enough that it attracts others to join you uh, in that movement. And that's called leadership. Who are your role models, Bill Strickland? The Dalai Lama, Martin Luther King, um, I would say Albert Einstein, St. Ignatius. That's four that come to mind. Rosa Parks was definitely a factor in my life in my trajectory, uh, one of my teachers, uh, Frank Ross, who was the art teacher, kind of opened up the door for me. Uh, J. Talmadge Wright, who was a relative of the Wright brothers, but was a brilliant psychologist and humanist. Uh, Mervyn Stewart, uh, extraordinary psychiatrist who's been opening up doors for human beings for many generations. My mother, who was a courageous, determined, passionate, and brilliant woman, and who protected my brother and I from the harsh realities of life around us. And much of my success can be attributed to her. So I've got a few. 
What does passion mean to you? What is passion? Passion is you? the fuel that keeps me going. That's what keeps the engine running. The passion, the sheer will, the determination to bring as much enthusiasm and excitement to the life experience as possible. And you can't just do that reading a book. You have to breathe it, you have to feel it, and you have to live it. And in order to do that successfully, the fuel that keeps that going brightly for this life and probably a little bit of the next one is passion. Now wait, what do you mean by the next one? Well, I don't know with any certainty what happens when you die, but I suspect that's not the end of the conversation. I think that's a transition point, I've come to believe. I think this is this physical form that we take is one part of a much larger consciousness. This is just a stop along that highway. This isn't the whole story. I think in some respects when this physical form dies, another form takes shape. That's my belief. So how has consciousness influenced you in your path to success and leadership? Well, consciousness is the measure by which I determine uh, am I making sense, am I being consistent to my faith in myself and my belief in humankind. Um, that's a big factor. I think the other is to make sure that whatever you do has to be consistent with your values, has to be consistent with best practices for the world and that you would do to others as you would have them do to themselves. So are there universal moral values or have you mapped your well, values for yourself? I've created my values for myself. If others think that they are useful, please, they're for free. You can have them. But it's a way in which I've figured out a strategy, given who I am, given my temperament, given my needs. It's a strategy I've developed to be able to sustain my vision and my hope. And that is directly tied up with my work, building centers for people who have no hope, creating opportunities for kids who don't have access to the arts to have the arts, to create a sanctuary for brilliant artists to come and present their work and play their work and celebrate, to break bread with the rest of us. And so my goal is to try to build 200 of these sanctuaries around the world so that we can create enough visibility that people will say, wow, that's a role model that we could use to scale in our respective country. That way you could get this thing to be a global strategy, not just a neighborhood strategy. Speak about these centers and what they're like and how to go well, about Well, first of all, they're all physically beautiful or I won't build them. We take an old building, we renovate it to very, very high standards. The best design, the best architecture, the best lighting, best furnishing, no used equipment. And so they have light, every center is bright. So you feel open and free, fresh air, good food, and a faculty that's enthusiastic and passionate about what they're doing. So you walk into these centers, you can feel the static electricity in the air from the movement of people and ideas in these centers. 
that's the cure for cancer in the spirit, by the way, is, is that's the medicine. Um, so the goal is to build as many of these places as we can. We know they work. They get extraordinary outcomes with people that have been given up on for dead. And so I think if we can really get a significant number of them built, this could be really game-changing. In fact, two weeks from now, the Financial Times of London interviewed me, and they decided to do a major story on this whole idea, big time. It's going to be three pages. It's going to go all over the world. And this may trigger an opportunity to really get some scale this idea. So uh, describe, describe what your center does. It's vocational education for people that everybody's given up on. Welfare mothers, single parents, out-of-work people, people who've lost their jobs, people never had a job. I create a 10-month vocational experience in culinary arts, pharmaceutical technology, chemical technology, horticultural technology. And so we've gotten very good at taking people who have been written off as liabilities and turn them into assets in less than 12 months in the middle of a tough inner-city neighborhood. They go to work, they're out of poverty, they never come back. Their children are out of poverty because you can break the cycle in one generation. The kids, on the other hand, are kids from the public school system who are largely flunking out of school. I recruit them for an after-school arts program. I can double the graduation rate in 36 months with those kids. There's a 50% dropout rate with those children from grades 10 through 12, mainly minority, mainly inner city. I graduated 97% of those kids last year and have averaged over 90% for 20 years in a row. There's nothing wrong with the children. There's sunlight and food and good architecture and good music and enthusiasm can't cure. That's the big idea. Does your, is your work inspired by any religious background? No. I mean, I go to church once in a while. It's, I would say it's more spiritual than religious. I think that that's the theme mm -hmm. that others have identified in my work, including the Dalai Lama and the Order of Jesuits here in Boston. Boston College adopted my book because one of the Jesuits said, by the way, you probably don't know this, but your work are exactly the values of the Benedictines uh, and St. Ignatius as our patron and you walk in his steps. You walk in his footsteps, whether you know it or not. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And I received something called the Goy Peace Award in Japan, uh, done by the Sionji family, uh, who conferred this award on me. And they said, uh, by the way, uh, Deepak Chopra won it last year. Bill Gates won it the year before. Oscar Arias, the president of Costa Rica, won it before. He won the Nobel Peace Prize, and we think you are the awardee this year. That's a pretty big deal. So internationally now, in Japan and in Israel, um, this work is being recognized for the spiritual component and the economic strategy that it's contributing to people uh, in a pretty universal way. So before we started, you said uh, six blocks, 66 years. Right. You were born in Pittsburgh. Correct. You have pretty much stayed in Pittsburgh. I'll stay there to the day I die. 
I'm not going anyplace. But you can bring the world to your neighborhood. That's the point. That's it. That's you, it. you can bring the world to where you are. You don't have to go anywhere. And that's my message to any community. We can solve these problems where you live. Don't move. Let's bring the world to where you live. That will continue to strengthen your communities. It will give you the longevity of life experience that I think is very important for people. You need to have roots. You need to have family. You need to have tradition. And just because it's a poor inner city neighborhood or just because it's a troubled you know, city in Israel with Arabs and Jews or a city that's been disrupted by the tsunami doesn't mean you have to leave. What it means is we have to develop a strategy to solve the problems that are confronting that community where you are. What's the most important human feeling? Um, the most important human feeling is compassion. Compassion. Maybe the second would be empathy. And um, I believe that so strongly that I, I, I believe that that's how you overcome death. You overcome death by celebrating life. That's the only possible antidote. We all physically have to leave out of here, but it's the way that you leave out of here. That's the big consideration. And I think that compassion and empathy checkmates death, is what I think. I believe it so much I'm prepared to put my life on the line behind those principles. Your life is on the line. That's right. <laughs> This is not a theory. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, jumping a little bit here, um, what is your experience with the Marion Institute, and um, what do you think of the work of the Marion well, Institute? Well, this is my first experience with the Marion Institute. I'm very impressed with this variety of people from every walk of life and economic strata and racial uh, makeup and philosophical broadband. It's fascinating and it's very encouraging that people would come together on a work day, thousands of people, with no interest in getting paid for the experience, maybe contributing to the experience so they can have one. That's huge. It says that there is a deep hunger for what is being done at this place. I just was speaking to a couple thousand people in that audience, and um, it was pretty powerful stuff. I believe that that antidote that is now represented at the Marion Institute, that may be the vaccine that we have to spread throughout the country and maybe throughout the world. Thank you so much, Bill. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah, I really appreciate it.